Hey everyone, welcome to the Middle East Podcast Forum Podcast. I'm Omar Saban, co-founder of Mustadfir, one of the longest-running podcast production companies in Saudi based out of Jeddah. And I'm Hiba Fisher, co-founder and CEO of the Kerning Cultures Network, which is the first venture-backed podcast company in the Middle East. And Mustadfir, Kerning Cultures, and Art Jamil were the co-hosts of this year's forum, which was held at Jamil Art Center in Dubai on October 4th, 2019. This episode is the recording of the 2019 Forum's fifth panel, called The Art of the Interview. Thanks to Lucas Scrobot of Anchored Strategy and Saud Al-Badir, who helped monitor the recordings during the forum. Let's get into it. So, for our fifth panel, we have The Art of the Interview. Um, and we have our very own Lucas to moderate. Lucas Scrobot, SK Robot, don't forget it. So welcome to the art of the interview. I have, I have a question. I want to poll the art audience before we start. Can we do that? Everyone practice with your hands. Do you have hands? Practice raising them. Just raise one up. Okay, good. So they do work. So when I ask, I know that I'm going to get a show of hands. So the, the thought behind this segment is that uh, an interview is like a good therapy session, right? How many have experienced an interview where you feel like, wow, that was really touched my heart. But I'm always conflicted with the fact that conflict and drama sells, right? So I want to I want to vote here and have a poll. Who thinks that a podcast and interview should be all kindness and joy and rainbows and just a nice soft therapy session? Raise your hand. Ver- wait, not yet. And then the second group is going to be who thinks that you need to figure out how to weave in some drama and some conflict? So group one, it's all sunshine and rainbows. Raise your hand. Oh, I thought it was going to be opposite. Group two, who thinks you need to have that drama? Wow. I did. That is opposite of what I thought. So this is going to be a fun time. So I want to welcome up first, Alex. Alex, 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 eight track from, oh, you're from behind me. The one and only Kerning Cultures. Alex went to Falmouth University. Falmouth. See, it's like a vol. University in the UK. He worked as a photojournalist here in the UAE and in the UK for four years, shooting for people like the New York Times, the Guardian, and the Monocle. And then in 2018, he started working with Kerning Culture. Let's hear it for Alex. (laughs) Second, we have... Shara Faden from the co-host of Ish Pitsoi and my heroic self from Jeddah came all the way. He is a sonographer by day and a podcaster by night. And he's also a professional photographer with amazing headshots. I was stalking his website the other day. Go check it out. He does great work. If you're in Jeddah and you need a headshot, he's your man. And last but not least, Turkey Ali Al Belushi Min Muscat Oman, Allah Ya Rab. Let's give it up for Turkey. He is a Omani journalist, media entrepreneur who has he started an online newspaper, Al Belid, and is the first online newspaper in Oman. And he also is a correspondent with Blomberg and the founder of El Sikka, a podcasting platform producing high-end Arabic podcasts. So let's give it up for Turkey and all of our panelists today. <laughs> Guys, grab mics. 
get, pick, pick, the, pick up your weapons. I think the batteries are close to dead, though. How are we? We can share. Oh, yeah, we got yeah, one. Yeah. So the first question is actually to you, Alex. When, when preparing for an interview, I'm interested to know how much work do you put in on the front end to find the story and develop the story, to find the questions, and not just how much work, but what kind of work do you find to be most helpful when you're actually conducting that interview? Um, so I'm going to talk about... I, I've only got a couple of minutes, so I'm going to assume we've already got our guests and we're, you know, there's a ton of work that goes into finding the people that we interview, but I'm going to skip that because I feel like it's more important to the prep that you do after you've found the people. Um, so we, uh, if it's someone that's done media before, obviously there's an amount of research you can do online and in previous interviews that they've done. Uh, mostly though with our stories, it's people that haven't done anything like that before. So we're, what we do, and I think this is pretty standard in journalism, is we do a 15-minute, what we call pre-interview um, before, which is, I think is super important because it's just a 15-minute call where you're, you're, you're getting on the same page, you're outlining what the story is about, and you're, you're telling them what to expect from the interview. Um, but you're also like just making sure that they're like they're the right person, that they can answer the questions that you want to answer. But more importantly for us, that they're actually that they're going to make good tape for you. You know, it saves you a lot of time on the back end of interviewing people who just like you come home and it just wasn't the right person. What and are some of the things that you look for specifically that stands out to say this person's going to make a bad tape versus? Wow, I think it's just we like if, gold. They, if they're a good storyteller, like are they talking, are they giving you one word answers or are they, t are they telling you stories? Are they responding to you in a way that's like engaging? Um, are they interesting to talk to? I mean, I think that's it's quite, you can tell from the moment you get on the phone with someone if you, if they're going to give you good tape or not. Yeah. Yeah. And if they don't, you just don't do the interview and it saves you a ton of time. Do you feel like that's kind of hard to back out of to not do the interview or how do you no, do that? You just say you're not, you, you just, you just say it's not going to go ahead. I think it's fine. And they'll understand. You don't have to be awful about it. You don't have to tell them you're going to give us a horrible tape. So we're not going to, we're not going to interview you, but you can just say, uh, you know, we, we, the, we went in a different direction with the story or, you know, we're not doing the story anymore or whatever. Yeah. And Turkey, the next question goes to you. When conducting an interview, the space that you're in, I believe, makes a difference. So what sort of things do you do to set the mood in the interview to prep your, your client, what's the word, to collect your, your subject, your interviewee, for a, a story that's really going to pull out the sorts of answers that you're looking for? Yes, uh, so Asika, it's, uh, we started before one year. So, okay. We started before one year, and uh, the first two episodes we recorded in a studio, so a uh, professional studio. But then we changed the places, uh, the places uh, to, um, to start the new way of recording. Uh, we have uh, already produced uh, 10 episodes now, and in each episode, we uh, always uh, meet with a, with a, with a guess we are hosting in the uh, interview three times. Is there something that you do when they come in to make them feel welcome or comfortable or safe to open up? Yes, it's, I think for me as a journalist, it's very important to understand first the person I'm interviewing and uh, also to have more uh, uh, maybe untold perspective of his experience and the, the topics we are uh, talking about. And I would like... Or we, we always uh, care about the place we are recording. So mostly we done interviews in the 
offices uh, or at, ho- uh, at home. Or Have you s- noticed the difference between when you do the interview in an office or a studio versus in someone's living room? Well, I did in the living room, I did in the hotel room, I did in uh, in the office as well. So Do you feel like it, it's all the same? Cool, nefs Yes, different? I think where the, the guest uh, feel comfortable and he can uh, be um, more open to, to, to answer my questions, it's very important for me as a journalist mm. to, to have this, uh, yeah. Is there anything specifically that you do to pull that out of them when you're sitting with them? To yes, make them feel comfortable? What Maybe like one practical technique for the audience to pull out a strategy to make your the person that you're interviewing feel more comfortable to tell that deeper story. Well, it depends. I think for podcasts, as I used to work in radio, it's it's different because you are not also in, uh, you are not in, in live, you know, you are, you are recording. So he feels more comfortable because we can uh, uh, talk again, we can record again, you know. So this is very important, and especially for people who do have very, you know, critical uh, uh, pers- uh, p- point of view. Sometimes it's very uh, uh, uncomfortable for them to be in live and talk directly about very uh, nervous. I mean, the question that makes them nervous, you know. So it's it's very important, I think, in my opinion, to have this feeling, you know, to let this uh, person choose the place he want to. To, to meet him. So you let them choose and then you let them know, hey, yes. if something doesn't go the way that you like, I'm giving you a level of editorial discretion of what is shared and what's not shared. Well, um, usually, you know, I'm very strict journalist, so I don't like to give him a space. So I no mean, editorial. You know, so yeah, I, I give him uh, the, the questions that we are focusing on these questions and you have to be uh, prepared. Maybe if we have any mistakes, you know, uh, within recording, yes, we can uh, record again, but not changing, I mean, the, the answers or the questions. Great. Ashraf, I want to piggyback off this question. What are some of the things that you do when you hit a wall in that interview where you feel like there's more that is inside of that person that you, you're looking to pull out? How do you pull that out? And do you have a story where you've maybe pushed too hard? Um... It's usually, for me, it's like when you mentioned how do you set up the mood for the for the interview or when you're talking with the uh, with the with your guest. So I always do a little chat before we actually start recording and basically just make it personal. Um, explain what the podcast is. Usually, I found it helpful if they know what my background is, um, and so especially for this is for the for my Heroic Self podcast, because that's more of uh, personal stories for the guest. In terms of the Ishbit Sewi podcast, and uh, for those of you who don't know Arabic, Ishbit Sewi means uh, what do you do? So it's basically about a podcast about majors um, and uh, specialties, and we bring the guest, we talk to them about their experience, and if someone wants to get to that point, what kind of schooling they go through or what kind of training they go to to get there. For that, we found it's also helpful for those guests to know what our backgrounds, because we're co-hosting, we're three uh, three friends co-hosting that podcast. And it always helps the, uh, the guests to ease them into the interview. Um, if I get into a trap where the guest isn't talking too much or they're, they're guarded, then I give them that option 
because it's a personal story, so I give him that option that let's talk about it. I'll edit the, um, the recording. I'll let you listen to it. If you don't like that part, or if you feel that it's very sensitive, then we can take it out. So you give them, you give them an option. I do give them an option. Do you yeah. have a story where, where you were in that interview and you're able to finally, like something that you did, something that you shared to get them to break past kind of the surface level and really dig deep into an emotional place that not only made it feel like a therapy session, but made those who listened to it feel like, wow, that really touched me as well. Um, for my Heroic Self podcast, I thought that would get into that kind of uh, issue. Uh, the, surprisingly, um, I got into the opposite issue where people actually talk more than I wanted them to talk. Oh, so really? They, That's they always would, a problem in an interview. Not always, but they sometimes. They would do share details that I personally did not think that it would be appropriate. How to. do you keep them on track? Um, I try to cut them nicely <laughs> and say, well, let's gear towards uh, and try to just fall into a different uh, question. Mm. On the other podcast, which we didn't think we had some, some sort of that issue, but we had a couple of guests where they, because they were talking about their jobs and what they're doing, they get to a point where they're afraid if what they're saying might not be understood as right. they want it to be. Right. And if they're afraid that their boss would hear the, uh, the episode and, uh, and they wouldn't like it. So we, I guess I could think of one, I guess we tried our best to get all the answers and we recorded it twice. We made the person listen to it. But it just never got there. Never got, I mean, first of all, I was like, oh yeah, let's do it, let's do it. Then what, once we did the edit and everything, we gave it back to the person. They said, uh, no, sorry, I don't feel comfortable. And that, uh, just, that just happens. It just happens, it just happens. and happens. we just uh, took that episode out. Alex, I have a question for you. Yeah, add, please. Practical tips. Um, like, talking about making people feel comfortable in an interview, um, I think like one thing that you've got to keep in mind is like this is your job and you do it all the time Whereas for them. This is probably the first time Especially yeah. for us that we're gonna be that yeah. they're gonna be in an interview um, so some things that I do is um, I usually show up like recording and just show up with my mic rolling and like headphones on and stuff because I feel like that eliminates some of the weirdness of when you start pulling your stuff out of your bag and you're like, I'm going to hit record now. And like that just becomes a weird moment otherwise. Um, it's a great and it also gives you some good intro tape if you need it. And then the other thing we do is um, uh, like I'll, I'll sit like this with someone if I can, like on a couch rather than like across a table because it feels a little bit like they're at a job interview. That's, that's another great tip. Those are two great tips. My next question was actually still for you, Alex, which was when, because you're telling high kind of audio visual narratives, how do you pull some of those settings where a person's maybe standing at a window? How do you pull those kind of visual narratives out from them when you don't have any visuals, but you're having to do it through audio. Yeah, I think we, so I have certain like rules that I'll just never put in. So before we go in the interview, we'll make what's called a flight plan, which is kind of a, it's not a script, but it's a, it's a, your list of questions and what you know, you need to kind of know why you want to ask those questions and why you want to do it in that order. 
And the thing that I do is, uh, like, we'll never ask, like, or questions. Like, I'll never say, like, did you feel like this or did you feel like this? Because it's going to give you, like, a one-word answer. Um, I feel like asking, you have to ask, like, hyper-specific, um, like, situation-based questions. And so if it's, like, um, you know, instead of asking, like, like, how did you feel the day your dog died? Uh, you, you would ask, like, can you walk me through the day your dog died from, like, when you woke up and, like, how you found out and, and get them to tell you a story. Like, you need to get people to talk to you in stories and not, you know, not ask questions that are going to give them a chance to answer you with a one-word answer. So hyper-specific things that people can visualize. Um, situations, scenes, you need to think in scenes, like, like you're a movie director. Um, and think about people, how you can make them describe scenes. And so that involves a lot of walk me through this day, like, you know, that kind of question as opposed to... you ask to, leading questions yeah, as they share? Yeah, and, like, I think those those sort of... Uh, well, I'll ask leading questions, and we have a flight plan, but obviously you're supposed to, you know, the flight plan is a guide, and above, above and beyond everything else, you're supposed to be a real human talking to somebody rather than, um, you know, I've, I've sat opposite journalists that I've worked with before who reel off their questions as a, as a list, and it's just the most horrific thing to watch because... They just don't feel like they're present. Uh, mm. So I th I'd say that's the, the second like thing that I would say. And so have a plan, but veer from the yeah, plan totally. when you see the story and developing. The best moments sometimes the one where people veer away from that. Um, so yeah, hyper specific visual questions that people can actually vi like think of something in their mind's eye, as opposed to letting your interviewee get away with giving you these kind of like high level philosophical questions because it's just terrible tape. Like it's horrible to listen to. And it needs to be something that's like, I woke up at X time and I left the house and I put my keys in my car and my car wasn't working that day. And then I, it eventually worked. And then, I don't know, I ran over my dog going out of the driveway or something. Like right. That. <laughs> uh, yeah, that kind of thing. Right. Moving on to the, our final question, Turki. Uh, you are a journalist, and even as your answer was very different from maybe these two, where you're like, nope, I'm not giving any editorial distraction. I have questions that I'm asking, and I want to get the truth. I'm going to ask the hard questions. How do you make a person feel safe enough to give a genuine answer to a hard question, especially as we heard in the horror stories, how sometimes here you can't really give answers to some of the hard questions or opinions that someone might have? Yes, uh, so for me, it's very important uh, to have a very um, deep uh, background about the person I'm interviewing. So sometimes I take one week to read three books about uh, or for this person to uh, do interview for 40 minutes. So I think it's, it's uh, so my, my point about this is you have to take the new perspective to interview this person. And the second one is to make this person also feel comfortable that you are understanding also uh, in what he's specialized in. So mainly a sikka is uh, focusing on two, uh, uh, two main things, which is experience and also uh, uh, critical thoughts about different uh, topics, cinema, culture, uh, society, politics, you know. So, um, for me, I think this is very important. Reading, having very strong background about person uh, you are interviewing, and having uh, also very comfortable uh, Zoom for for him to to so answer. You do, you. A lot, you do like a week's research for a forty-minute interview, and yes. you, like Alex was saying, find super honed in laser questions that you're able to be very direct to to find that story that you're looking for. Yeah.
Yeah, I think this is very important because sometimes when you do like a very daily news uh, interviews, it's it's sometimes boring because you are just repeating what other media are doing. So in Sikka, we are trying to focus a new perspective, new uh, t- uh, topics, different angle of these topics, and uh, also new questions that's not being raised before. So we have 30 seconds left. And so I'm actually going to cut into the Q&A where I'm going to ask the first question. So it's a selfish question, okay? So when I'm conducting an interview, I... I often, because this is the this is the poll that we took earlier on, right? Everyone's like, "Yep, let's let's see the the boxing match." When I'm conducting an interview, I feel like I have this bond and rapport, and so I, ninety nine percent of the time, shrink back from asking the conflict question, the one that might bring up disagreements. How have you guys done it successfully to make your shows more engaging and more entertaining? You just have to ask it. <laughs> I mean, just how do you like, do it in a way that doesn't offend? Well, I mean, look, if you if you like, you shouldn't be writing questions in your interview plan that are going to offend people because, like, if you if or or if you feel like you're going to ask something that's going to offend them, like there should be a reason for it, and usually there would be if you're asking that kind of question. Um, don't just and I would say ask it in as short a time as possible. Just come out with it and ask it. I, I don't know. What do you think? Um, it's some. I think it's basically you have to make that connection with your with your guest, uh, where you have this sort of give a feel that there is a mutual respect between you two, and then there, and when you when they realize or they feel that you mean no disrespect with your questions, but you genuinely actually want to know what their story is, it helps a lot. And um, and I, I think that's, and also sometimes ex- explaining why you're asking the question might help. It's great. Thank you. We're going to open it up for your questions. We got a lot of hands. Hi. Um, I have a question for Alex. I was just wondering when you guys do your stories, does uh, gender matter as to, you know, when, when you go in as a reporter or when you go in as the person asking the questions, does gender matter? Because you have a, a team where you have female producers, and then there's yourself. Um, so do you divide your stories based on that, or is it just how you are as a storyteller? No, it really does matter, I think. And we definitely have, when we work, we're, we're sort of really uh, lucky to have um, a team that has, like, we're pretty, I think we're pretty equally split along. No, we're not even, we have way more women than we have. I think there's two dudes on the team, actually. So we're quite, we're quite lucky in that we... Uh, <laughs> we have the resources like to, you know, if there are stories, if there are interviews that would just be more comfortable if a woman was doing it, like, of course, like Dana could do it or Tamara could do it. Um, yeah, for sure. We consider that, but, and not, it's not the only thing, you know, also cultural backgrounds, like there are stories that, um, I just don't have the understanding to, to do, but someone like Shahid or someone else on the team, would so we we absolutely consider that when we're deciding who's going to do interviews i think that's super important yeah let's get a question from the back do we have any questions in the back uh, my name's spencer lodge i've got a podcast called the spencer lodge podcast nice and original name there um, i interviewed tony robbins recently as well on the podcast so it was great to get people of a better stature in there but more importantly the point you made about in, uh, interviewing people and asking difficult questions and potentially offending them I think what everybody needs to realize here is that when you're face-to-face interviewing someone, 
70% of what you're saying is not coming out of your mouth. So you have the opportunity with nonverbal communication to build rapport and relationships with people. So when you ask a difficult question, you're asking a lot of it with your nonverbal communication as well. And I think people might forget that they could get a bit intimidated by that, that they don't need to. Does that make sense? Do you agree with that? That's a great point. That is a great point. Another question? Hi, uh, so my name is Daniel. I got a podcast called The Drive to Succeed, a podcast. So my main question is, how, when you're interviewing a person, how long do you usually put time on research interviewing that person? And second, do you send the questions beforehand or you just do a pre-talk like before the interview? I know in some cases you can have like remote interviews as well, but what, what are your thoughts and experience on that? So in my experience, um, I have done some interviews in Ramadan and you know, people are fasting and I'm fasting as well. So in this, uh, for this interview, I have uh, maybe uh, I spent one week reading three books just to ask five questions for uh, this, uh, this uh, guest in, in the program. But I mean, sometimes uh, it's not about, you know, uh, it's not about just uh, having someone to, to have a, uh, to have a new episode for the podcast. I think it's very important to know that what you are going to tell people, I mean, through this interview. I mean, you have to, uh, you have to, to um, um, design a theme for, for the interview as well. And you have to read about this person as well. I mean, having a background, what he has said before, and what's the new question you are also focusing on is very important. So sometimes, yes, it takes very long, uh, I mean, reading three books just to ask five questions. Yes, yep. and because also I noticed when you send the questions beforehand, it is a little bit more scripted and like the podcast should be a little bit conversational. So I guess, um, yeah, that's we, that's... we don't send questions beforehand. I think it's just bad journalism practice, to be honest, to do that in the same way that you don't share tape, you don't share quotes with people after you've interviewed them, but then we're a very journalistically kind of minded podcast and that this isn't true for, you know, talk shows or whatever, but um, yeah, we have a hard and fast rule about not sending questions to people first. All right, thank you. One last question. We have one more and then. Hey y'all, thank you. Um, just to build on what Spencer said, I think another thing is to, when you're making them comfortable, you're able to sometimes just ask out of curiosity, letting them know that you're curious about the point that just made and, um, Asking, can you tell me a little bit more about that? I'm just very curious. And wrapping up, sort of uh, figuring out, uh, letting them understand that you've heard them, synthesizing the information that they had, and then just asking them, tell me more about this. I'm very curious to learn more. The question I have, I, I try and interview future dads, so individuals who are not yet fathers, so before they come to fatherhood. How do you find your audience members. I, I'm just going to leave it for everyone here. How do you find individuals, especially in the beginning, to interview? I'll, let me talk about the first part first. Um, so I found out that, especially when we're doing uh, an interview and three of us interview and one person, um, and we're, if we're doing it face-to-face, -face, it's different than when you're doing it online. Um, and I've, did, I've done a lot of uh, interviews online too. When you're doing it face-to-face, -face, uh, you have that advantage, and it might be a disadvantage too, that you actually have uh, the, all the other parts of not just as what you're saying, but also your body language, your uh, eye contact. When you're a group, you need at least one person that has a good eye contact 
body language with the with the guest. Because if all of you start giving signs to each other, oh, let's cut the interview or let's uh, you know change the question, the guest gets feels uncomfortable and then they start zoning off and or they start not answering your question. Just, it's just disrespectful. So you need at least one person uh, that have direct contact with the with the guest. In an online um, type of um, interview, you just gotta make sure that you follow up with your with your guest with. You know, either summarizing, even actually when you're doing a live interview, um, summarizing what the what the uh, guests have said to highlight the important parts actually helps a lot and makes them comfortable that you're actually listening to them and not just hearing what they're saying. That is all that we have time for for this panel. So let's give it up for our panelists.